Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul, I think I can help people if I just get my hands a little dirtier. Are you trying to be careful? Huh? Or are you just gonna burn your career and take me down with you? Coin flip. <laughs> and hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits Shrinks, a Ted Lasso to Shrinking podcast. Uh, I'm Jeremy Geckner, uh, here with me as always on this journey through uh, the amazing Apple TV series Shrinking after we devoured Ted Lasso. Uh, Mr. Craig McFarland, what's up, man? Ted Lasso was such a meal that we had to wait a little bit before <laughs> we dove into Shrinking. It was so great seeing both of our boys uh, that were nominated at the Golden Globes. Neither of them won. But yeah. it's nice to see Jason Siegel and Jason Sudeikis nominated. I will tell you that I care extremely little for award season for the most part. <laughs> and so I did not know they were both up in the same category until yeah. I actually watched a little bit of the telecast. Uh, I think that it was great to see them there. I, I will tell you what, the bear, if if Ted Lasso and shrinking help to relieve your anxiety, the bear is what creates your anxiety. <laughs> and so I have tried the series several times. I do appreciate what it is. Uh, I've never worked in the restaurant industry. I've heard that it's just like amazing amazingly um yeah it's uh, very accurate <laughs> very accurate uh, portrayal of the restaurant industry what i will tell you though is that i never want to work in the restaurant industry <laughs> based off of what that series is but congrats to jeremy allen white uh he it seems fantastic in it the episodes that i've seen but it was nice to see the jasons represented at the golden globes Indeed. Uh, Craig uh, is more aware of Jeremy Allen White as uh, Carrie Von Eric in the recent Iron Claw movie, which we all went and saw together. He um, was great in that. I mean, that he's a very good actor. He's a guy that knows absolutely nothing about wrestling. And I went with two wrestling nerds. There were four <laughs> of us that went. Uh, it was Brandon Davis, uh, who is our classics guys come onto the show before Jeremy, myself, and then our friend John and John and Jeremy are wrestling guys. So this like they knew this upsets. story about yeah. this, like <laughs> the trials and tribulations about this family uh brandon and i like knew very little i don't want to speak for brandon maybe he knew more than i did i knew nothing about this story but jeremy <laughs> allen white did a really great job of acting in there so yeah kudos to him i mean no uh definitely want to lift all boats here and just say like i understand that I, my heart goes out to jason sudeikis and yeah. to jason siegel but jason siegel's got some time you know i think that this series is just going to get better and better as we move along but speaking of moving yeah. along jeremy Ah, yes. <laughs> Look at those segues. Um, yeah, let's move on to uh, let's get just like dive right into it. What do you say? Like, just like dive straight into all of our stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. We can dive right into it. We let's, can maybe uh, spend 15 minutes on this episode and then we can oh, get out of here. Right? Look at that. <laughs> I am I like, got to find a 15 minute long Phoebe Bridgers song and then I'll be I, I am off my segue game today, but Craig is lifting me up like a great teammate should. Um, well, what do you say we get into some uh, shrink wrap? Absolutely. That sounds great. Hey, that's the shrink wrap. All right. Shrink wrap this is where you guys are telling us about yourselves, what you think about this. Also, any of the reviews and such like that. I just have uh, one that I have to call out this review that we got on uh, Apple, actually. Um, the person is Harvey Butthole. So that's cool. Great name. <laughs> Great name. 
Um, it says new patient as its title and it's a one star review. So thank you very much, Harvey, for that. But it's a little confusing because he says choosing to watch Jason Seagull and he spells it S-E-A-G-U-L-L. So as in the bird um, and in parentheses says, bet you didn't know he had a hyphenated name. I actually didn't. I did not know that. Uh, and uh, listen to you guys instead of going to actual therapy. Happy to be here. So he appears to be happy that he's listening to us, but he did rate us one star. So this guy's just a contradiction in terms all over the place but i gotta tell you harvey i'm fascinated by you i'm fascinated by you i want to know more i want i want the story of what's in your life there so um just as always guys thank you for taking any time to write in but craig i believe you have one from our social media channels i do i have one that's uh more serious on topic to the last episode julia wrote in and she's got this like kind of wonderful and kind of gut-wrenching story about therapy that she talks mm. about on our pbb page if you go back to the post from the previous episode you'll find it there and she talks about the idea of having a bad therapist and the therapist that really minimalized her problems and told her that these weren't world-ending events and that she didn't need to worry about that and you know therapists are are human too I know that we have a lot of therapists that listen to this show, but I do think there's something about there has to be this sort of match when it comes to therapists and then also to the patient as well. You know, last year, I, I got to tell you, I needed therapy uh, like crazy. And I luckily found Rachel and was able to talk to her and it become this this really great relationship. But that doesn't always happen. And so uh, Julia talks about being 19 and feeling like she was wasn't strong enough or wasn't able to speak up and say, hey, I I need to change therapists. And so uh, it, again, uh, very detailed and very heart-wrenching heart story in here, uh, but beautifully shared. And thank you so much for that, Julia. I just want to leave you with her final words. Um, she just says, if you are afraid to get therapy after a bad experience, I leave you with these words of, the, of Ted Lasso. All people are different people. So go out there and find those different people that you can interact with and certainly know that there are other therapists out there and that if something's not working for you, then you can find someone different and that may help you tremendously. What a uh, fantastic call out to, I believe, uh, the end of season two um, of Ted Lasso, where Beard is talking to him about Nate and his betrayal of you uh, giving the story to Trent Krim and uh, Beard actually recalling to Ted his own words about how all people are different people. So um, very important things to be reminded of there. And that's that sticks out in my brain because Sarah and I just did our annual New Year's rewatch of Ted Lasso. And it's still just amazing, guys. It's still just absolutely fantastic. Um, and also, just as a personal aside. I've been playing a lot of FIFA 23 right now in my spare time uh, when I want to unwind and relax and definitely found the Greyhounds on there. And I've got the team uh, going here. I've got people playing all out of position because Zava is actually on the team um, when you go and get it. That just felt weird to me because uh, he only plays for a few times, but it's Zava. Um, and I found out that they gave him a first name and it's Max because, of course, played by the actor Maximilian Ozinski. So that's just a fun little aside there as <laughs> right before we jump into this episode. Anything else, Craig, before we uh, does decide to dive into the episode here? No, I will just tell you that I am on a rewatch and you will uh, not be surprised about this. I did not do a New Year's rewatch of Ted Lasso. I have started watching The West Wing and it's yeah. Zoe's first time through. And so she is eating it up. And I will tell you, um, it is such a wonderful experience to go through that series with someone with fresh eyes on it. And she keeps asking, yes. like, what happens here? What happens here? And I'm like, no, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. that. So I can't wait to experience that whole series with her. But yeah, let's get into shrinking episode three, 15 minutes. Yes, let's do this and ask all of us. How does that make you feel? But how does that make you feel? All right. So let's dive right into it here. I do love how in this episode, we literally just open up on like a cold thing that like we really don't think because like, look, we've seen that we've seen Alan, his pa uh, Jimmy's patient here before, obviously, in like the big montage in the first episode. But we haven't really revisited him um, since that um, of seeing anything like that. So I love that we're just kind of like dropped into this date scenario and just kind of still left wondering. It's just like, wait a minute. Like, who is this? What is this? What, what's happening here? And we don't really get a good connection point until Jimmy just plops himself down right there in the seat um, just out of nowhere, which of course 
course, uh, startles Alan, of course, but it's because he's on a date. It does not look like it's going well at all because he continues to like self brag on himself about being like the COO in the bedroom. It's just like terrible, terrible line, Alan. Um, but of course, Jimmy then plops himself down. Alan doesn't know he's there, which is great. Um, basically just tells him like, look, I've been listening to you um, in your sessions. And here's the worst part about being a therapist is that your patients can be unreliable narrators. So you're kind of giving me bullshit when it comes to your sessions. And I see now the real you, you just need to be real. Like, you know, just try to be yourself and stop trying to be like this person who's appealing. Um, and so, you know, even though Alan's pretty upset with him and tells him to leave, he does take the advice there um, and tells his date when she comes back from the bathroom that he's cried four times today, which kind of takes her off guard. And we don't get to see a, resolu a resolution of this yet. But of course, we do know later in the episode that this did work and that he does kind of start up a relationship with this woman. So um, what do you think of this little cold open uh, right off the bat, Craig? I loved it because uh, I was a huge fan and I know some people out there might immediately roll their eyes, but I loved the film Hitch and yes. this was Hitch. Uh, this I, is Hitch all over. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that we just get like plopped right into the fact that he is interacting with more of his patients and uh, to be able to see that he's like actually kind of like watching them on a date and all of this. And I love that he calls him that he calls Alan out for lying to him because like it's very clear that it's not a women problem or a female problem when it goes on the States. But he is just no. putting it on so hard. Uh, and so I just I loved every bit of it. What about you? Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun there. And of course, Jason uh, Siegel, uh, is, uh, he's really like just playing up like all the things that make him such a charming actor here. Just like the no nonsenseness of it, really getting down and boiling down and saying like truth in just kind of like this affable way. So really, really good stuff there. Um, we then cut to uh, back to the uh, house, to Jimmy's house. And Sean is there cleaning the kitchen and stuff. Alice is uh, looking at her phone and runs straight into him. Um, and he, of course, says, the advice I always like to tell people when they have, they're on their phones, you got to look up, guys. You got to look up. You can't just look at your phone and walk. Um, but he was basically cleaning the house um, and he's, uh, you know, trying, I think, to be like, you know, a productive person while he's staying there. Um, and he tells her that she that he threw away um, this orchid that was uh, on the uh, countertop. And Alice gets very upset with this. And actually, her whole demeanor here is just pretty upset that Sean's even around. Um, and basically tells him in a very, you know, teenage girl way not to touch her things um, that aren't his. So he goes out to the street to try to get the orchid out of the trash. Um, and I believe he even says like something about like how it looked like sad, <laughs> looked like a sad orchid, like definitely it was gone. Um, so as he's going through the garbage can, um, of course, an old white lady comes up and uh, is basically questioning like you don't live here and stuff like that sean uh has this absolutely wonderful line uh about guessing her name um and then we kind of get like he kind of gets reinforcements from everybody all of our favorite people here jimmy comes out um alice comes out and then uh, liz and derek of course provide some backup there we i would say like the things that are said there but most of these most of these quotes are for the gift of gab later um but it is just a, another wonderful way craig i think of like i love how these scenes just kind of like end to get into the credits. And that is a very Ted Lasso thing to do. Um, I just love that Brad Goldstein's kind of brought that writing style when it comes to the opening credits over to this show too. Absolutely. You know, I actually, this, um, this kind of reminded me of like an old timey, like sitcom, kind of like a yeah. family matters kind of a thing where you have one situation going on with one of the characters, a supporting character in Sean. And then like everybody sort of joins at their own, time and yeah. i love that you know in this opening uh before even we get to the credits we just get to see so many of the interactions of the different characters our main players here uh interacting with pam the racist and you know like it's just kind of great to like see all of them sort of have each other's back and yeah. to the the way that it's edited uh or the way that they did it on screen i really enjoyed how it just didn't miss a beat like it just kept going from one to the other and everyone kept building on it you know like every Everyone yeah. called Pam a racist, basically in their yeah. own way. And we'll get to that. But like, it was just, I, I loved it. And it's just another one of the ways that this, uh, this chemistry of this cast really shows through. I just, I mean, could it have only been better if Gabby or Paul like rode up in the new oh. Tesla and made fun of her as well? Maybe that would have been a little bit too much, a step too far. But I do yeah. enjoy that Derek was able to provide us some uh, information or some entertainment from the car as well. Yeah, again, Derek is just, I, I can't iterate it enough, guys. Derek is the MVP of this show. Um, he is absolutely hilarious. 
absolutely heartfelt but like his comedy stylings just do not miss a beat um and yeah i mean there's one line that like really stuck out to me it's uh what she said i didn't put it for the gift of gab but like you know literally liz goes and tells her like why don't you go post some crap on next door about how the neighborhood is changing and that's just like if any of you have ever downloaded the next door app just do yourself a favor and delete it um it is it turns into not a nice place very quickly um but out of that out of our amazing uh frightening fishes uh opening we then cut to sean and um uh, no, it's not Sean, uh, Jimmy and Brian, who are out on a uh, hike uh, in the mountains and kind of like the mountainy regions of uh, Los Angeles and stuff. Um, these are very popular, by the way, out there. A lot of people like like to hike on these trails, um, but they uh, have a conversation about hanging out and, you know, like hanging out with Gabby and stuff. And um, Jimmy kind of brings up how he hasn't gotten out much uh, since Tia's death and, uh, you know, like how he kind of does miss all this stuff. And basically they have this little diatribe, too, about how like they kind of like miss their college days when they were like you know doing fun stuff and apparently we learned that brian was uh very much trying to be the straight man in in college and uh kind of doing a terrible job at it and uh jimmy laments how he kind of misses that guy um but i do love that like what we're getting here though craig i think and you can tell me if this is you too you know, we like that kind of block that was there with Jimmy and Brian is now completely gone. We are in full on hangout mode and they can really, really be there for each other. I agree. Like you don't you don't really see them return to that until maybe the engagement party later. And I know that we're not necessarily spoiling this for people that are watching along, although I, I totally get it that the length of time between episodes makes it difficult to watch along. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I I. Uh, I think that you get a little bit of that in that conversation that they have around the piano um, and all that. But beyond that, like you see like their friendship really be able to blossom here. And in a lot of ways, the friendship that you see between Sean and Alice uh, is also reflected in that like later on, there's some great quotes. There's a particular quote at the end of the episode uh, that we'll talk about that uh, Sean gives to Alice. And it was one of those, it's basically the same, it's almost a juxtaposition or it's like basically the same type of quote that uh, Brian had given to to uh, Jimmy in the last episode uh, about Tia and about having a dead wife or in this case, a dead mom. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that you see it all in full bloom here. And I love... Like, you get a couple of these stories throughout the season, but it's why Brian is one of my favorite characters too. He's talking about <laughs> like how he was trying to go like full blown, like straight guy. And uh, before he was, uh, because he was afraid of coming out. And so like his acknowledgement of that, I think uh, is played to great comic effect here. And so I do really enjoy that as well. Yeah, Michael Yuri is just really, really great at this character because, again, we talked about in the last episode about like how immediately endearing he is to the audience, um, just as a character. And again, here, like just these like little like quick lines about you know like as they're walking, you know, like let me know when your heart stops, and you know then as they're passing somebody saying like, oh, I'm just out on a hike with my dad. <laughs> it's just, mm -hmm. like, I, I just love his like his wit and his his comedy stylings here, but then like the unsurety too when he's talking about the female anatomy, <laughs> which again is just like a great like depth of that character, which is which is pretty awesome. Um, so from there we cut to uh, the doctor's office, and Paul is talking to his doctor, and she tells him that all is good. They seem to have found like the right medications that are going to be working uh, to get him uh, kind of level when it when it comes to his Parkinson's. Um, and then she kind of asks about his emotional health, which is fun. I mean, I'm sure to like talk, uh, ask a therapist about that. Um, but, you know, he says, hey, you know, I know what's coming. Um, and that he's got this mechanism to deal with his grief when it comes to his diagnosis, which is that whenever he needs to to kind of do that, he puts on a really sad song um, that he uh, just kind of lets himself grieve like hardcore for 15 minutes straight with this like sad music. Um, and it kind of allows that release of all of like the anxiety and all of the, um, I guess, kind of feelings of unfairness and stuff that would be there Um and it really just kind of like gets him out of that. So that's, of course, where we get the name of the episode, 15 Minutes, is of, this, of this technique. And this is a real uh, coping technique that therapists use sometimes. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about it more when we get to the music section. But he chooses uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Blues Run the Game, which is, you know, appropriate for him, I feel. Um, so what did you think of this uh, little moment here with Paul, though, Craig? I like it. You know, I think it makes sense for Paul's character because he's so introspective and he's so reserved. And Jimmy is just trying so hard to get him to open up to him. Jimmy is an open book. Like Jimmy is not yeah. 
you know what I mean? Like I am uh, someone that will be like, no, I need to talk to you about this. I, uh, I need to tell you all my feelings and all of my emotions. <laughs> and Paul is just the opposite of that, which I think as a therapist is really interesting because you are someone that has to carry a lot of weight from other patients and be able to take that all with you. And I mean, we yeah. kind of saw that in Jimmy's earlier sessions where he was just having like a bad day. And then on top of that, he had to listen to everyone else's problems. Right. I, yeah. I don't know if I buy into the idea. Like I'm someone that, you know, has taken up mindfulness to a certain extent. I'm trying more and more to be able to kind of settle yourself for 10 to 15 minutes and just be able mm -hmm. to meditate or whatever the case may be. But I'm not entirely sure that just like crying on demand for 15 <laughs> minutes and then switching it off is a great way to handle your emotions. Um, I don't have any kind of clinical license in counseling, but I just, for me, I don't think that that would work. Uh, I'm much more of a Jimmy type um, when it comes yeah. to that, but we do see a couple of people try it in this episode and it seems to work ish uh, for them unless you run into a car. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> car doors will always uh, kind of break you out of that trance. Um, no, I do think though, like uh, Paul kind of instructs it later when he has his conversation with Jimmy Reed, Gabby's divorce, which is I think it's probably best for people who like don't have a healthy release of their emotions very often. Um, you know, Paul mentions that Jimmy, you know, is like numbing and stuff like that. And Alice seems to strike me as the kind of person so far in the series that kind of like bottles up her emotions. Um, and so, you know, I think what he's, I don't think this is maybe like a technique that works totally for every single person in every single situation. But when you have somebody who is like kind of denying the grief part of the process, um, or at least for whatever reason, this is probably where it can be like a, a mechanism to like, let them do that psychologically mm -hmm. that maybe opens it up to better stuff. Um, says the non-psychologist. <laughs> so who knows here? Um, but then we get to uh, cut over to Gabby um, and she is uh, wearing a very fancy dress um, and talking to her husband about uh, what name she wants to name her car. Now, look, Gabby, I got to say, Little Debbie is fine. It, it's it's a pretty good one, but you had Shadow Facts right there. You mentioned it. Like, that is the most kick-ass name for any ride um, that has ever her, existed. Her soon-to-be ex-husband shot it down and that showed you that, uh, you know, in those relationships, those partner relationships, uh, what they say can really matter. So she came in really hot wanting that name, but I mm -hmm. think it was specific in the writing that it showed that as soon as he said, no one will understand that. No one will get that. That just means he doesn't, but like, yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter if anyone else gets what the name of your car is. You should name your car, whatever it is that you want to name your car. You know what I mean? So yeah. I thought that that was really like, I'm glad you pointed that out because I thought that that was very interesting to see. Like I learned, all I needed to know about Nico's interaction with Gabby yeah. in that, in that like one line, basically. Yeah. And I mean, Nico, man, again, Tolkien created the best ride name of all time, whether it's a car or a horse, it's shadow facts. My man, like that is just, that's badass. <laughs> Thank you, J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, but I, and I do like, like you said though, too, like that is like a great, like subtle way of setting that up. And then it's really reinforced later when she offers to give him a ride. And he basically, you know, like he says it's because he like can't listen to her music anymore, but you can tell right there that there's like something deeper, like kind of weird about that just because of the way he says no. And especially the way she kind of reacts when she leaves after he says he can't take her music today. Um, and then we actually get like a good, uh, example of what he's saying because gabby is jamming out to nine days absolutely i'm on the way to work um and i'll again i'll talk more about that song later but as she gets to work uh, she parks and then paul literally runs into her as he's parking um and this is the first day she's driving her brand new tesla so of course this is like not good for her and everything like that but i do love that paul like literally looks at her he's just like were you backing out because he knows that he did this um and this leads to a conversation in the break room um you know where paul says you know i, I passed the driving assessment everything like that like i am totally fine um and you know basically gabby's trying to get uh jimmy to like really go and talk to paul about this make sure he's okay but he just kind of really doesn't want to. Um, so um, this is, of course, going to pay off dividends uh, later. Uh, anything to add about this little interaction with Gabby and Paul? No, I just think that it kind of shows that Paul is maybe needing more than that 15 minutes to be able to process some of these things, again, mm -hmm. as a non-clinical professional saying that. But uh, it does seem like he he's having a more difficult time than he's letting on about processing some of this. But I think we'll get into that more when his interactions with uh, Dr. Julie and everything later on, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I do love, again, I just love like how Gabby and Jimmy interact with each other. You could tell like just they're such good friends. Like it's the way she's leaving the room. She's like, you're picking me up, fucker. You know, <laughs> like and just like slapping the wall, <laughs> like and everything like that. She, Jessica was just amazing. Like she, she should be nominated for every Emmy for everything. Um, But let's cut you over to. she's going to win this weekend? <sighs> I really hope so. I, really, I don't know that she does, but I think I don't think I, I've told point. I've told you in the group on the network. I, I really think it's like the bear is just being anointed this year. Yeah, um, I, I think and, the bear will be the Ted Lasso of a couple of years ago, which is sad because like Ted Lasso having their swan song, although more and more we it's seeming like uh, perhaps there is more Richmond in our future. But who knows? Uh, yeah. But anyway, sorry for that tangent. No, no worries, man. Well, let's tangent our way over to don't Paul. Don't want to get more. Don't want to get more one-star reviews about Jason's <laughs> C goal. C goal. Yeah. Um, well, we cut over to uh, Paul and Alice. They're having another one of their bench talks. Um, and uh, you know, Alice. You know, Paul asked her if he's she's had dinner with Jimmy yet, and kind of says like, you know, he's just gonna kind of like be really weird about it and everything like that. And then she gets onto the plant that Sean threw away. Um, and you know, she has this. It's very informative line here, Craig, when it talks about, you know, like it wasn't even like her favorite plant or anything like that. It was just something that was hers. And she has this line where she says that, you know, like everything is pissing her off, you know, recently. And I kind of like, I just so identify with that sometimes, man. Like there's just time it was like nothing like big happens, but there's just like little micro things that annoy you throughout the day that just like get you into this state where you're just annoyed by everything and you just can't really pinpoint why, because there's not like one big thing that happened, you know? Listeners, uh, if I can shed back the curtain a little bit, I think Jeremy was having a bit of one of those days yesterday. I was, uh, I, I was. was. Getting, I was getting some text messages about things that were going on. <laughs> but, you know, I think that uh, too, I, you know, this is where Paul's therapy really comes to, you uh, You can really see it here. And I mean, I know that it's also a gift of gab, but when he says grief's a crafty little fucker, it sneaks up yeah. on you. Like that yeah. to me, like that spoke to me because you have no idea like what might trigger something like that. It could be just a dead or orchid that's it's clearly dead and very dead like sean made very mention dead. that it was yeah. you know uh later on yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not another gift of gab but but deader than your mom like is, is mentioned <laughs> you know like but he's right here and it doesn't matter if it's been a year or 10 years since your mom died if something like that triggers you or if you hear a song or if you know you're just putting something away and it reminds you of like this dish reminds you of something like you yeah. don't you, you can't control when grief is going to sneak up on you. And so I love these bench sessions that Paul has with her because he is able to give real true bits of advice or uh, bits of philosophy and therapy here to us as viewers as well. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you this much too. You know, I think that um, it, it is an informative thing when it comes to like, even even with Alice, like not being able to like kind of pinpoint it and not doing this, talking about it just helps. I mean, it really does. Just letting this stuff out, like you can't keep it in. And that's kind of like the whole point of all of this. Um, from there, we uh, go and Jimmy is at a gas station um, and he sees um gabby and uh she is macking on some guy that is not nico um, and so this really shocks him um and i love the i absolutely love the shot of like they have him like the camera doesn't move but like it shows him like pulling up to the gas pump and then literally just like backing up like from the exact same shot this shot like shocked look on his face it's fantastic um so he we cut there from the to the gym we see that sean is still doing his kind of fight therapy um that jimmy is taking him to um and he basically tells him like look we need to i know it's your time but like 
like, we need to talk about this. So as he's taking him home, Liz walks up and basically says like she wanted to apologize for getting involved um, when it came to Pam and that she's going to butt out of Jimmy's life. You know, she's going to kind of be there. Um, and, you know, Jimmy absolutely does not believe her a fantastic line. I don't believe in a million billion years that you're going to butt out of my life. Um, and again, like just that Jason Siegel way of delivering like big eyes and just like making it like very conversational, but um, a very funny little bit of dialogue where she like swears on her son. And he's like, which son? And she says, you know, not Connor as he's saying, Connor is like, Connor is the best. Um, so love that Liz has a favorite son, which of course that will pay some dividends later. Um, and again, like she says it's a joke, but then she immediately asks about like, well, what did your friend do um that jimmy's wanting to talk to people about so very funny little interaction hey Liz, turn around if you want to want me to tell you and then she yeah. turns around and then she turns right back around. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna meet again yeah and again though craig like this is what you were talking about though is like and ted lasso did this very well uh very good too it's that you got these disparate characters that we already care about, that we're already interested in, and then you start revolving them around each other, you know, and it just makes those interactions like so much better. And it makes us like endear ourselves, not only to the characters individually, but the dynamic that they have as well. And so now it's like we want more interactions with Jimmy and, and Liz because they're funny together, you know, so it's a, it's a great way of writing these characters into each other. Absolutely. And they do such a good job of uh, having us already know that we feel like we have perspective on these characters because we know these characters in our own individual lives that they didn't need to spend like a ton of time developing these characters for us to understand the relationship that Jimmy and Liz instantly have. I mean, here is episode three and we already see it right here. Like we know like the years of Liz being the next door neighbor to Tia and Jimmy, right? Like, and we can understand that just based on the actor's delivery, but also how the writing is done throughout this as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we go from there to Paul. He uh, calls Dr. Julie um, at night. She was on a drinks date, but uh, left it to come and uh, see Paul uh, when he asks uh, uh, that he wants to take the driving assessment again. He says he's still feeling fine, but he just wants to make sure. Um, and um, yeah, they have this cute little interaction. He says you must not like the guy if you, you know, if you left the date. And he comments on the casualness of her clothes and everything. It's like some people dress up for dates. Um, so you can already tell that there's a, a bit of a chemistry thing here. Um, and we'll definitely be seeing more of Dr. Julie. But from there, we go back to the restaurant with the cornhole <laughs> game. Um, I always called that game bags, but I don't know. I guess cornhole has taken over. I um, always called it bags. I think that it's like a yeah. pop soda thing. You know, I like, okay, listeners, you tell us uh, who, wh which one is it? Is it bags or is it cornhole? Maybe we'll put a, maybe that's we'll put a the, poll that's up the poll. in the yeah. peanut butter and biscuits um, Facebook page for sure. That is definitely the poll we will put up there. Um, from this, though, Brian is talking about how he's never played the game, but he's a natural athlete, so he's going to go jump in. Again, Michael, you're just doing the best stuff here. Um, but this is where um, Jimmy confronts Gabby about, you know, you know what he saw. And he says, he asked her who picked her up. She says Nico. Um, and he basically says, you know, no, I saw you like on something else. So Gabby finally has to come clean and tell Jimmy that she and Nico are getting a divorce. Um, and that basically she didn't tell him because – of what he's been dealing with, with the death of Tia and stuff like that. And how compared to what he's dealing with, you know, it's not like, it, it seems like small potatoes and such. So like, it doesn't seem like something that needs to be burdened with. Um, um, and then, you know, funny little interaction and stuff, but she basically tells him like, she's kind of relieved that Nico won't be her problem anymore and says that everything is amicable. And this is kind of where we also find out that like, there's an addiction aspect with Nico that has uh, been something that Gabby has had to deal with. Um, and so, um, in the middle of all of that, um, Gabby tells Brian that when he makes it in the hole, he has to yell cornhole um, as loud as he can. That's just what you do in the game. Um, and so he does it the first time in the middle of their conversation. And then, of course, by the end, when he does it again, the entire area, the entire playing area is yelling cornhole with him. So, again, just everything goes his way, Craig. Everything goes his way. I mean, who wouldn't want to just I would totally uh, chime in and start yelling cornhole for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about this? Uh, this scene hit me hard because, you yeah. know, I have been very clear that last year I went through a divorce and people like would say that to me all the time. Like like I would find out about things and they'd just be like, well, I didn't want to bother you because you have your own thing going on. And it's like, no, like, honestly, like if you are a good friend or someone that relies on someone, you want to be there for someone. It's not like everyone has something going on. Like it, we people walk through 
through this world every day and we don't know what's going on. And so like, I just, that struck home for me a lot. Actually, a lot of the Gabby storyline strikes home with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that Gabby is a little bit different in that, you know, she's dealing with this a person that has addiction issues as well. And she's a clinical counselor. And so it's almost like she's having to bring work home at that point too. Yeah, and so yeah. I feel for her there. That's not something that I had to, I, I should very much clarify that that's not something that I needed to deal with in my own divorce, but it was definitely still like the uh, everything that was going on with uh, what was between Nico and Gabby here. It's just incredible like to uh, hear that and kind of mirror it. People out there, Everybody has their own stuff going on and mm -hmm. you're not being a burden. If you talk to your friends about something that you would like to talk to them about, that's the message I'd like to leave you with today. That's the moral of the story. The more, you yeah. know, the more, you know, the more, you know, the sound effect there anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Really fuzzy. And I really like how Brian comes back and he talks about how he's their King. Now um, again, I just love the dialogue here, but he also does this immediate thing where Gabby tells him that she's getting a divorce. And he's like, Oh, Gabby. And she says like, yeah, and it's totally fine. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he just immediately goes from like sad to happy. Um, and in that vein, um, Jimmy walks home he, uh, or he walks in at home and he hears Alice doing her 15 minutes of grieving to, uh, you know, I know the end of uh, the Phoebe Bridger song, which he will listen to later. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he she ex kind of explains the whole thing to him um, about the 15 minutes. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like this great little moment of understanding. Again, Jimmy wants to, you know, say something, but he's kind of doing what Paul said and like giving space for Alice to like come to him, which is uh, absolutely what me matters next, because he goes downstairs to make pizza. Jimmy, my man. The pizza, the pizza scene right out of the oven. kills me. You like don't the, eat pizza right brave, out of the oven. Be brave, be brave, be brave. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, every time. Of course, if you grab the pizza out of the oven with your bare hands, Not you're gonna going work. to get burnt. <laughs> and then he just rips it. And then he it, bites like he it. Even, he doesn't yeah, even he have, doesn't cut it. He just rips he it apart. Have, like a pizza cutter. Like, come on, Jimmy. You're a grown man. You have an I'm advanced sorry. degree. There you is a pizza cutter in that house somewhere. There is. There has to be a pizza cutter in that house. Oh, that but cracked course, me up. From that, though, Alice has decided to come downstairs to have dinner with her dad and actually asks, you know, if she can have dinner. And again, I mean, the 15 minutes seems to work, right? It seems to get her in a place where she's out of her own way and she can go and do the thing she really wants to do, but might still have some anxiety about doing so. Um, you know, and then of course she tells him that she appreciates him not trying to make a big deal out of it. And he responds with just the, it is so hard <laughs> to not that, do that. That was so great too. I loved that. It is so hard. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, that's what he wants. Um, from there we get to a, a Jimmy checking in on his patients, uh, Grace specifically on the, on the uh, video chat. Um, and she says, you know, that she's uh, done trying to please people. He says that that's really nice. And then she admits that, well, she only said that to please him. So not quite uh, over it yet. Um, but yeah, she does like thank him for uh, making her leave uh, her boyfriend. And he says, nope, that was you. Uh, um, and all of that. Um, and so from there, we're going to jump through two scenes here. Um, but we're going to kind of like, because there's a cut scene here with um, with um, Alice and, and her friend Summer. But we're going to do that on the other side of this, because this is a great scene that happens here between Jimmy and Paul, where he goes to talk to her, uh, him about Gabby. Um, and he basically tells him that like, because Gabby invites uh, Jimmy in a previous scene to her divorce party, <laughs> where they, it was going to be her and um, and uh, Oh God, why am I blanking on names today, man? Um, it's going to be her and him and Brian um, that, that are coming over to like celebrate the divorce. Um, and from there, though, like he says, like he really is having a hard time with that because Gabby is choosing to end a marriage when he didn't get a chance. Like his marriage was taken from him basically through the guise of Tia's death. That was um, really interesting. That was such yeah. an interesting line because I missed it the first watch through that I had through this series. Mm. But you learn, I mean, like, like spoilers to those of you that haven't watched things going through, I guess like, uh, don't listen you to think. this minute you or think. so. <laughs> but like, you know, it, we find out later that like their marriage was on the rocks and mm -hmm. that he wasn't sure that Tia loved him anymore. And, and he was, they were 
they were contemplating things like divorce and separation and all of that. And I just thought that that was interesting because until you know that later, I took it the same way you're kind of presenting it, Jeremy. I took it as like his marriage was just taken from him. But I think on a deeper level, he's also saying he didn't have the chance to have those conversations or to be able to make that choice because she died. And And it leads leads to unresolved feelings. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like he has all these unresolved feelings about Tia that's going to come out later. And so I just thought that that was like an interesting foreshadow that I totally missed in like seeing this seeing the series the first and second time through. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a it really does like kind of inform, you know, because you're right, like that really gives us a lot of like context for what Jimmy like says or what Paul says to Jimmy coming up next, um, which is basically that like, you know, like the problem is Paul basically says to Jimmy is like, you haven't actually begun to grieve like you. And, you know, Jimmy says, you know, like, oh, I've been doing all this stuff, you know, like booze and 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 I've been grieving for a year. And Paul says, no, you've been numbing. You know, you've been trying to fill the void that got taken from you with drugs and with booze and with, you know, getting, you know, like prostitutes and stuff, women. And then he says, like, now you're doing it uh, basically with, you know, getting overly involved in your patients lives. Um, and so but he's telling him, like, this is the moment here is like, you have to kind of like let yourself get into this. Otherwise you're going to continue to have these unresolved feelings. And then tells him, I have a technique for you that might work, which is the 15 minute plan that Alice already told him about. So now Jimmy knows that he and that Paul and Alice have been talking to each other, but he doesn't do anything with it yet. Instead, he actually goes and does what Alice and Paul have told him to do when he puts on the same Phoebe Bridgers songs, uh, Phoebe Bridgers song. I know the end. Um, and it seems to be working and stuff and everything is going, going, going. And, but as he's doing that, he crashes into an open car door and as he's sitting there just like weeping still. And the driver of the car says like, how are you crying so hard already? And he's like, no, I was crying already, which is just, again, a wonderful bit of comedy there. But what do you think about like the rest of that scene and kind of like him getting hit by a car? Oh, I just loved, uh, I mean, like it, it kind of shows the flaw of the 15 minutes. First of all, don't do it on a bike. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, I love the driver of the car. Like, how are you crying so hard already? Oh, I was already crying. Like, <laughs> I was already crying. Also a good way to do a prat fall over a car door there, Jason Siegel. That, that would hurt a lot, man. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed, uh, that whole scene. And I mean, of course it becomes one of like the iconic scenes of the first season and the iconic lines of the first season as well. It's one that when we started this series, like people instantly were talking about, um, but yeah, I, uh, don't have too much to add to that one. I think we just can, can kind of move on from there. Yeah, so let's move to um, these, again, these kind of, the scene is bookended by this Jimmy and Paul scene, but um, basically Alice is hanging out with her friend Summer at her house and Sean comes back in and we learn earlier that the VA housing has a waiting list. So Sean is going to have to continue to um, to stay with Jimmy and Alice um, until they get a re- resolution on this. Um, and so her friend Summer is talking about like how her mom was going to take her off the pill if she fails science class. So again, we get like kind of a sense immediately of like who Summer is um, and even more reinforced forced when uh you know she's talking and basically starts hitting on john's like hi i'm summer and he, he i love goes, nope. he's so much he's like nope and just walks away which is fantastic absolutely how you should react to that but um because of that though she has summer has a funny line about letting sean uh do her basically that makes t or that makes them uh, um, Alice. Alice makes Alice uh, laugh overwhelmingly. He's like, oh man, we, I'm taking a picture of us right now because it's a happy moment. And so Alice though, like once uh, Summer takes a picture, she immediately has like this feeling of guilt. And so later after the policy, we come back and she starts talking to Sean um, about that. And um, she's talking to Liz first about this new dog, um, of course, named Shit Rat um, for obvious reasons, named by Derek. And she talks to Sean though about like how like Liz took over parenting and stuff and how she like throws her a bone and she talks about this fake test that she didn't even take that Liz is really happy about before. Um, but the, the main message here though, that she's conveying to Sean is that, you know, when she saw the picture and like when everything there, it made her feel guilty because she was smiling in it and she feels like she shouldn't be smiling that there's just like, you know, the, this grief is still there with her. And that like, if, if the picture is put out in the world, if her like smiling or having a good time, it feels like disrespectful or, or it feels like she's not caring or anything like that. 
Um, and Sean has a wonderful response to that <laughs> when it comes to, um, you know, that's like why she felt weird about the orchid and everything. And he basically says, like, honestly, that plant was deader than your mom, <laughs> which kind of shocks her out of like her stupor there and makes her laugh again. And they laugh again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that that was uh, really well played. And it kind of, again, harkens back to Brian's line at the end of episode two about, uh, you know, about uh Tia and about her being dead as well. It's like these friends that, and of course, Sean and Alice are early in their relationship, but they'll become good friends. And you get to kind of see that. And Liz uh, kind of notices that too. That's another. Uh -huh. It's some, it's like being able to like really project that and be able to think about like what that friendship can be. And sort of, you've got to have your friends there that are willing to kind of shock your system and get you out of this slump. Because as Paul said earlier, grief is a sneaky little fucker, right? So it comes up, at, you don't know when it's going to come up. Definitely is. And more of the advice that Paul gave to Jimmy is basically like, it's not about you when it comes to Gabby. You just have to be there for her. So Jimmy decides to ride his bike over to Gabby's place. Um, and as he opens the door, he's trying to be like, you know, pump up like, yeah, you're divorced thing. But then, you know, he sees that she is not in a good place. Um, she's not dressed up or anything. She's kind of wearing her sweats and stuff like that. And, you know, she says that she's feeling sad and she's feeling guilty. She's worried that Nico is going to relapse. Um, and then, you know, out of this understanding, though, she basically says that how much she misses Tia because Tia was her person that she could go to with this stuff and talk to about this stuff um, and really wishes she could be there right now to talk about it. And Jimmy says, you know, I can be there for you, too. I can be that person, um, even though she's not here. And then, of course, Brian comes in with balloons and hats and stuff and does not read or see that he's misread the situation as well. And just I imagine they all kind of were just there for each other. But um, really good scene here from for Gabby and Jimmy. Right, Craig? It was. Yeah. And I like that, you know, like she's able to open up and be a little bit more honest with him and about all these like insecurities and concerns that she has. And she's able to let, let her guard down a little bit because Gabby kind of uh, throughout the series is going to present this like wall yeah, of this, this tough like, exterior. Uh -huh. un, like a tough exterior, like an unnecessarily robust strength when really like her strength comes from so many different angles that it's not um, something that she needs to just like tie to in this like, again, this rougher outer exterior. Uh, and I like that we get that like moment of this is her coming to Jimmy now as a friend, because earlier in the episode, she admitted that she felt like she couldn't come to him as a friend because of Tia and uh, her dying. And so I thought that this was a good opening up of the friendship, much like we had a good opening up of the friendship of Brian and Jimmy. Like you're, you're going to have these three, this kind of trifecta moving forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. 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 So we cut to a restaurant. Paul is get, picking up some food and Liz is there as well, um, which is fortuitous for her because she really wants to talk to him um, about basically Sean and Alice. She's worried that they're getting like too close together and stuff. At first, though, she tells him that she's grateful um, and everything. Um you know, about how he's talking to Alice and how that's really helping her because Alice has told her about it. But, you know, when she talks about Sean and Alice, Paul did not know that Sean was living with Jimmy and this really, really upsets him. So he calls Jimmy and basically chews him out very hard about why is it so hard for you to put your daughter first, which is a very striking line um, from Paul and like putting it right there out on everything. Um, and he basically tells him like, you know, I think I'm done with you. And he doesn't know exactly what that is, but he knows he's not going to be speaking to him. Um, and from that, Jimmy, we think is going to go down like a righteous anger path here when he says that he knows that Paul's been talking to Alice and stuff like that. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be one of those, like you're talking to me like a hypocritical thing. But then at the very end, when uh, Paul says, well, you got to send something to say about it. And he says, yeah, I do. Thank you. And it's like, I love that there's this, uh, that subversion there of like what typically happens in that kind of a situation. And Jimmy, like he is kind of like, he is kind of angry that, you know, like it's been behind his back, but he also knows it's been vital. And so he can only say thank you to it, you know? Um, but again, I think we're going to get some fun stuff here with like this Paul silent treatment. Um, but uh, anything to say about that? Or you want to push through to the end here? Let's just push through to the end. Yeah, let's keep it going there. So basically next Paul um, we see is waiting in Gabby's car the next day, <laughs> tells her he really she really should lock her doors, which you really should, Gabby. Um, anybody can walk in there. Um, but he has a new Tesla in California. Come on, Gabby. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but he's asked her if he can uh, start writing to work with her. And he says that he passed his driver's test, but he wants to go out on his own terms. So it kind of sounds like he doesn't quite trust his ability to drive anymore. 
Um, he can, but like, he doesn't want it to be like, oh, I, you know, got into a car wreck and that's what ended him, you know, like, because he wasn't strong enough to just simply ask for some help. And he says, I want to go out on my own terms, like a fucking hero, which is pretty great. Um, cause Harrison Ford is one of the best heroes in cinematic history when it comes to Indiana Jones. So, um, from there though, we hear another voicemail, Jimmy's leaving Paul, um, and he's on a hike back out in the mountains and he says that, look, he understands why he's uh, upset, but this picture that he gets beforehand shows Alan from before with the same woman and they kind of have their arms around each other and they're out and about. And so clearly Jimmy's advice worked when it came to Alan, like connecting with women and connecting with his dates. So he tells him, look, I know you don't like this, Paul, but the radical therapy is working. And literally as he's saying it, he sees Grace back with her boyfriend taking a hike and Grace literally runs away and can't face him. And Jimmy just has this look of like, Oh no, <laughs> from this. So what did you think of the way this all ended in this episode? And where do you think it leaves us going into episode four? Oh, well, I, I do appreciate that. It shocks Jimmy's system a little bit. I mean, he, he is feeling like on a high about this, that his therapy is working and this is going to work for him. It's going to work for Sean. It's going to work for Alan and grace. And then he gets this kind of slap in the face. And so, um, I think that, you know, again, we kind of know already which direction this is all going <laughs> to end up going. But I will say I, I think it's good for the character to have to continue to hit these conflicts and to be able to have to try to resolve those conflicts as he moves through. But just a, a, an excellent episode overall. I really enjoyed it. A lot of talk about grief in this episode. And yep. I enjoyed uh, the true like therapy that came out of this episode in particular talk about divorce and about death and all of these like major huge issues that adults deal with all the time. And uh, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed being able to live through it again and be able to kind of hit it beat for beat because you do pick up on these subtle things like Jimmy mentioning something about their marriage not being in a good place before Tia died that I don't think that I would have noticed kind of when I went through this series the first time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So really, really good episode. Um, and it indeed had some really, really good music. So what do you say we get into some Liz Rocks? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Live Rocks! Yeah! All right, Liz Rocks, we're breaking down some songs here. As I said at the beginning, um, the first song, there's only five in this episode. The first one, Blues Run the Game uh, from Simon and Garfunkel. Great. And I, I said this um, in kind of the notes that I wrote, but all of these songs are kind of like great avatars for like how our characters are feeling um, in this episode. Um, so when you like kind of run this song to Paul, um, obviously a great example of like the melancholy singer songwriter thing that Simon and Garfunkel are known for. But the lyrics actually talk about a person that's traveling all over the world but they can't shake this kind of feeling of like blueness um, and that no matter where they go, blues run the game um, and that nothing really is, is good enough. Um, so that's a great avatar, I think for Paul about how he's feeling and coping with his Parkinson's uh, in this episode. Any thoughts on that, Craig? Yeah, no, I think that we've got a lot of like, uh, songs that could become the theme music. Like, you know, we just talked about Iron Claw at the beginning of this. If these folks are walking out with wrestling music here, maybe they'd <laughs> want to choose something a little bit less grief filled. But no, I think this, yeah. uh, like you said, it's a good avatar for Paul. And talk about a great avatar for our Gabby. Oh, Story man. Absolutely. By Nine Days. I absolutely love that song when it comes on. And Dude. I love how Paul's like, or Nico is like, I can't handle your music today. Uh, and <laughs> it's just like, I love Gabby's music. And it's going to come up later when she's draw driving Paul uh, to work as well. Just some really good bangers from the 90s that she busts yeah. out here. Yeah, that's that was my key uh, note here. I was just like, this song is still absolutely a banger. Like, not like pun intended. Um, it is like it, one of those songs that like got overplayed a lot in the early 2000s, late 90s. 
but like man it's still like just really well written stuff here and it's ultimately as he said about not being able to choose a different path because of seemingly small things like a smile so um the next one though is uh, everybody by uh, elephant spelled e l l i p h i n t um and it features uh, azelia banks um it's kind of just like the standard like hip hop beats type of thing but the lyrics actually do kind of try to reinforce that like everybody has value um, despite like the kind of like the troubles of like a chaotic world. Um, but you know, this is what's playing when Jimmy like sees Gabby in her affair. Um, so I don't know. It seems kind of just like a, a, a little song in there, you know, I don't really have a ton to say. It's a fun song though. If you like hip hop, um, but man, oh man, I know the end Phoebe Bridgers. This song has so much to do, uh, with the, with this whole thing. Um, and I think it perfectly encapsulates Alice and Jimmy. Do you have any thoughts on this song before I really get nerdy here? Fuck you, Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> and we've gone to the gift of gab already um no this is if, if you're unfamiliar with phoebe bridges like very much in the kind of like acoustic folk singer songwriter style um but she also adds in a lot of like electronica mixes um that is just very strange like how those things work together um but this this song it's literally a masterpiece uh, of this kind of style um it's a song that's kind of like each in each verse of this song, it like remembers things in a way. So it's like in the first verse, it's like somebody remembering something that's ended fondly, you know, remembering like good things about like the end of a relationship. And then in the second verse, it's about all the bad things or like one of the worst things that they remember about a relationship. And it's just then it, at the very, very end of it. And I said, like, that's really in a lot of the ways that like Jimmy and Alice remember Tia um, in their own respective ways. But then at the end of the song, it like builds like into this like feverish like escape trying to like outrun the grief um and it becomes more and more and more chaotic um as it goes along um and so like the um but i looked up this quote from phoebe bridges because the album is from a uh, or the song is from an album called punisher and she described it herself as quote um the idea of having these interpersonal issues while there's bigger turmoil in the world like a diary about your crush during the apocalypse which i think is just an absolutely wonderful way to kind of that's like really interesting you know like uh, that's an interesting quote because in a lot of ways on a smaller scale it relates directly to what gabby was talking about with jimmy i didn't want to tell you that i was gonna go i was going through this divorce with nico because you had your own stuff going on and my stuff seems so small compared to the fact that tia just like died a year ago and that you're still grieving that death so mm -hmm. that's really like very on point that that like in a in a smaller scale that directly correlates to that quote that she gave yeah yeah absolutely and i mean like if you get to the end of the song like there's like this really big like like it's kind of like a grief song of itself. It's like really into like the sadness to the fondness and then to like this, like trying to outrun your grief. And then it's just like this big rage monster at the end of this song. And it just goes into like almost like hard rock. Um, and then it like mixes with like horns and like kind of like these sounds of like destruction. It's like a really weird way to end the song. But like when you kind of mix it all together, it's just a freaking masterpiece listen to phoebe bridges everyone it's one of the best songwriters we have today um and then we uh, run the credits uh, as grace is running away from jimmy with uh, hurts to be alive by whitmer thomas this is i said like, it's really kind of like a weird song but um it, it, if you listen to the lyrics if you get into the lyrics it really is kind of just about like contradictions of people and how this guy wants to be more appealing to people but he just does like a bunch of different things to do that. And so he doesn't really know who he is, which I think kind of does fly with what Grace is feeling um, in the, at the end of this episode, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, we've went through a lot of the gifts of gab already, but let's get into some of those as well. Ready for the gifts, of gab? the gifts of gab? Holy shit. I don't want to know that. Actually, I do. What? Oh my God. I'm sorry. When I get nervous, I start just saying just stupid shit. And that's what's happening right now. All right. Do I get to go first on this one? So you I think to it's go first. The, the the whole scene back and forth with Sean taking uh, looking for the orchid in the garbage. And then Pam comes up and is kind of like, who are you? What are you doing? And then uh, he says, the first one is my name is Sean. I'm guessing your name is Karen. Guessing your name is Karen. <laughs> uh, that was so great. But then if I can keep going with these, because uh, oh, yeah, so good. Pam. Uh, and then I believe it's Liz that comes out and says, Pam, the family knows him. Why don't you go inside and post some shit on next door about how the neighborhood is changing? And <laughs> You mentioned next door when we did our recap, but yeah, man, terrible wild on there. There are people that like, it seems like all day long, just look out their window and wonder if people are coming to take them away or something like that. Terrible, terrible um, app. 
<laughs> I, I love uh, that Derek uh, shows up and like asks what's going on and basically said that they're all calling Pam a racist. And he says, eat a dick, Pam. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sean just says, I like, that guy. I like uh, that guy. That whole interaction with Pam, the racist, is just fantastic. I Every bit of it is just perfect. But sorry, I took a lot of them there. So you go right ahead. No, but. no, no. That's fine. Um, I, I do like... Um, the, later when Jimmy is bringing Sean home uh, from the gym um, and Liz is like inquiring about like his black eye and he says, uh, Jimmy makes me fight people for money. <laughs> then Jimmy immediately is just like, no, 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 no. That's just good, clean, consensual assault, <laughs> which I think is just a wonderful way to think about MMA when you think about it. It's just good old fashioned consensual assault. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I like when they're on the hike and Jimmy says, oh, I miss straight Brian because yeah. Brian was talking about like how he was just going over the top being straight in college as well. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to take the uh, Gabby Jimmy interaction uh, at the Cornhole uh, restaurant when, you know, he's acting sad about her divorce. She says, stop, stop that. You're doing sad face. And Jimmy goes, this is just face. I have resting dead white face. And then he has her ask something else that he just does the same thing. Like, hey, uh, tell me something exciting. I won the lottery. Oh, oh. man. Um, (laughs) I love it, too, when uh, Paul just like Jimmy is trying to explain things to Paul as well. And Paul says, makes sense. Divorce is always hardest on the coworkers. (laughs) Paul is full of gems every single time. Really, Paul is everything. I love uh, Harrison Ford in this, how he was how he is not winning an award this weekend, let alone not being nominated this weekend is a, a travesty. It's a crime, but there are a bunch of lasso supporting actors in there. So next year they won't be there. Uh, we need to get Harrison Ford nominated for this role in best supporting actor for sure. We need to get him a win in this role. So yeah. Um, I don't think I have any more that we haven't mentioned. Do you have any more gifts of Gab? I mean, just the ones that we've already mentioned, but like, seriously, the honestly, that plant was deader than your mom. That was great. Sean, I mean, the way that it was delivered by Luke is just fantastic. And yeah, again, it just correlates nice. so well to what Brian had said in the last episode. And then, I mean, like, fuck you, Phoebe Bridgers becomes like the mantra of this show in the first season. I wonder if she ever like responded to that on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, we, should back, we should go back into social media. And then you mentioned it. I mean, this one again was a big one for me, but I passed my driver's test, but I want to go out on my own terms like a fucking hero. I just loved how Harrison Ford delivered that. And you would like in that moment, I didn't see Paul. I saw Harrison Ford. I saw Harrison Ford. Yeah. And so that was a good one to end on uh, for the gift of gab. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, everyone, that's it. That's episode three, 15 minutes. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed breaking it down. Um, As always, everyone, again, we love interacting with you. Go and find our social media group uh peanut butter and biscuits on facebook um we have pbb uh what is it peanut butter biscuit time on uh, instagram what what are our handles craig you know them better than me pbb frn on x although i will say i'm not checking x as much anymore um, nope nope not me either apocalyptic nightmare over there in elon's world <laughs> uh but then uh we do have peanut butter biscuit time on instagram we're being more active on there and then of course the peanut butter and biscuits facebook page on the facebook so go and check that out as well who knew that elon Musk could make mark zuckerberg look like the good guy in social media yeah uh, exactly <laughs> like, we're like come to facebook because twitter is a disaster <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that would be the 2023 2024 uh transition there but yeah definitely come and and hang out there because you all know that we can take a episode titled 15 minutes and talk about it for at least an hour or an hour. <laughs> and of course, everyone, we are part of the Front Row Network of Shows for NPR Illinois. Um, both Craig and I have some stuff. Um, I've got another episode of Are You Afraid of the Podcast with my wife coming out here pretty soon. Um, also, a lot of episodes of MCU HQ that I'm going to be recording here um, because there's a lot of Marvel content that just recently came out right before there's none that's coming out for the rest of 2024. So um, that's uh, on my end. And of course, Craig has Beyond the Mouse. Um, well, you what know, did you say again, Jeremy? I, 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 I couldn't hear you. There was a little bit of an echo in that. Oh, oh definitely going to be talking about the echo show and Thing. Yeah, definitely going to be absolutely. talking about the what if season two that just came out definitely going to be talking about the marvel timeline that just got clarified in their new companion book so tons of stuff there 
we got some uh we got some trip reports over at beyond the mouse and people really tend to love those so brett just went to tokyo disneyland and tokyo disney sea yeah. we're also going to be recording a trip report coming up about the world at walt disney world in 2024 uh, a lot of my friends just ran the the marathon weekend as well so i might try to grab one of them to chat about the experience um, and that's something that i hope to be back there doing in 2025 as well so lots of things going on at beyond the mouse and over at cinematic horizons we just released uh, Temple right. of Doom. We are now going into one of Steven Spielberg's much more serious works. We're going into The Color Purple, which is a movie that I have never seen before. And so Brandon and I will be tackling that film in the relatively near future. And of course, uh, it has some tie in to this year because The Color Purple, definitely one of those contenders for a Best Picture nomination, uh, the musical version of The Color Purple. So go and check out Cinematic Horizons, a Steven Spielberg fan cast as well. Yeah, that's a, that's the weekend you do there. Watch Spielberg's Color Purple, listen to the Cinematic Horizons episode on it, then go to the theaters and watch the musical The Color Purple because it's a, it's pretty amazing. Some amazing music in that show. <laughs> because in between this uh pinnacle work of Steven Spielberg adapting this wonderful novel and then also seeing a great hit Broadway musical that was adapted from both of those and mm -hmm. produced by Oprah. You want to get the opinion of two very pasty white guys from the Midwest. Yes, from the Midwest, of course. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Our friend Ted Lasso is that. Um, all right, everyone, that is going to do it. Once again, thank you so much for listening to us. Find us anywhere you find podcasts and let us know what you want to talk about. But for PBB Shrinks, I am Jeremy. And I'm Craig. And that's our time. We did it. We found one. Yay. Yay. We found an ending. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>